All right, hi. We are continuing our class on the Spherot and getting into Spherot of, um, we're gonna summarize what we did last week, Chesed, Gevorah, and Tiferet, and continue on to the new Spheros. So we summarized, in summary, we learned that Chesed is unbounded giving, um, giving without restraints. Um, it's any attribute or emotion or that um, is an outward expression of infinite giving without considering necessarily the recipient, the needs of the recipients, or the outcome necessarily. And Gvura is the exact opposite. Gvura is inhibition, restraint, self-restraint, um, self-control. And it takes, and the reason it's called Gvura is because it takes a lot of might and to self-restrain. You have to be very strong. It's a Gibor who is a Gibor, It's interesting that um, we refer to the Torah as Gvura as well. We say that the Luchos came Mipiha Gvura. It's the only one of the spheros that we use, I think, in relation to the Torah or the luchos, um, which are very significant because it took a lot of gevura. We call the Torah the gevura of Hashem, the might of Hashem, because for Hashem to take his infinite self, essence of self, and restrict himself and condense himself and what, you, what we use in Hebrew, tzimtzum, and... Um, and constrain, self-constrain himself and put himself, which is so infinite, into such a small space into the Torah and limit himself, that's an act of gevura, of self-restraint. So chesed and gevura are, are the right arm and the left arm, right? Like we said. And you can't really do anything. Like the right arm can't function without the left arm, usually. Can't do its full range of function. You need both arms together. Really support one another and balance one another out. So you can't really function, chesed can't function properly without gevura telling it how to restrain and when to give and when not to give. And gevura can't really function without chesed giving as well. Hi, Adina, there you are. Um, so they really go hand in hand. And there's a lot of like mathematical um, ideas that connect the two, but I'm going to pass over it for today. Another interesting idea is that really chesed relies on the power and the strength of gevura to to really get to its mission. If chesed really wants to give and affect another person powerfully, it needs the might and strength of Gura in order to accomplish this. Um, we're going to touch a little bit on, did you have any special classes for Lagba Omer? Just... So we connect a little bit of this class to Lagba Omer and the bow and arrow. It's a favorite concept of mine. And then Chaya and everyone who missed last night's Lagba Omer event will get a recap of these really great ideas. Um, so, yes, last chesed and gvura. Now, tiferet, those chesed and gvura are represented by um, av manifestation of chesed, and manifestation of gvura, and we discussed that already. And Yaakov was a manifestation of tiferet, which is, means beauty. So chesed means loving kindness, gvura means might, tiferet means beauty. Um, tiferet is a blend of chesed and gvura. It's knowing when to give, when not to give. It's a harmony and a beautiful balance of the two. In our world, it's also, Tiferet is also called Rachamim, mercy, because mercy is saying a balance of the, it's a perfect balance of Chesed and Gura. It's saying this person might not deserve kindness right now. Gura might say, well, this does not deserve to be kind to it, or it does not deserve any kindness. And kindness might say, well, who cares? Let's give everyone everything they want, which is also not proper to just give anyone anything that they want might not be good for them. And Tiferet is the 
beautiful balance of the two. It says, this person might not deserve it right now, but I'm going to have compassion on this person and do it again for them and be kind again for them and extend myself again, understanding that they may not deserve it, but it's the act of mercy and compassion and saying they may not deserve it, but I'm going to give anyways. Hashem, I don't deserve all the kindness Hashem gives me all the time. And I want Hashem not to judge me and say, well, do you deserve it? Do you not? I want to be given treated with compassion and mercy. So I'm going to keep extending myself and give another chance, another chance and be compassionate and say, I don't know exactly what this person is going to use the money for, but that's not important. I'm going to give them the money or help them, even though, you know, they may not exactly deserve it. And my judgment side, my side might be holding, but compassion, Tiferes, blends the two and really gives a beautiful, the right way to give. Um, and that's why Tiferet is also called the Mita of Emes, the Mita of Truth, because true giving has to combine both Chesed and Gura. And this is a very, I think we discussed last week, Hillel and Shammai, where Hillel's soul, soul stemmed from the right axis, the right side of the sphero. So he's a, a Chesed-oriented um, soul. And therefore, whenever making a judgment, he was willing to just say yes and give and allow for more self-expression. Whereas Shammai, his soul stemmed from the left, and most of the time Shammai leaned to rule as let's self-restrain more and not to and do less and do be more stringent and do less. Um, but ultimately, we need to have a balance of the two. And that's why they learned together and they were study partners and really were able to influence one another and bring out the beauty of Torah only by learning from one another and bringing out a perfect blend of the two. We actually, this ties right into Lagba Omer, which was, was it yesterday? It was, two, it was two days ago, right? Yes, it was two days ago. Um, Lagba Omer has a very similar idea where we have to blend this love idea of love and giving and respect where Rabbi Akiva students had so much love and so much chesed that they swallowed one another completely and didn't allow for another person's opinion because they loved each other so much, they didn't want to stand by and see another person do the wrong thing. So their love was so much chesed and it wasn't mitigated by enough of an inter-inclusion of Gugura and saying, let me hold myself back and maybe not tell him something right now or maybe say more gently or maybe give him that respect and say, maybe, you're, maybe both of our opinions can be right. Maybe... I, my opinion can be right, and we can agree to disagree. There's more than one way of looking at it. So they, their love was so, so that didn't have their independence or stay fully true. And that's why we ultimately, as a later, or quite a few years later, another student, Rabbi Akiva, who was Rabbi Shimbari Chai, also passed away. But instead of mourning his death, we celebrate his death with festivities and the bow and arrow and bonfires, which is so unusual. We just finished mourning the deaths of his fellow, of his friends, and now we're celebrating his death. But ultimately, he, his mission, I guess his death, the time of joy, really did complete this mission and bring the whole field to deaths where they died and they something opportunity was tragic for them but he really rectified that and it's a long story but in short what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai understood um, after his time in the cave and after going back for another year class um, you're not um, was that he really the smita of tiferet of truth that even though you might love someone so much for example it happens to so many parents in the Jewish world and the non-Jewish world where they want the best for their child 
and they can't handle their child choosing something that isn't the best for them, then they smother their child and they don't allow and they're they like overwhelmed with forcing or trying to push their child to be what they see as the best thing for them. Whereas that doesn't allow for true love. So the, sometimes chesed is so much love, you love so much that you don't really even know how, you can't really love because there's too much love. And gevura is a much healthier love. It's Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's realization that in truth, although you must love someone so much and you should go out of your way to affect another person and to speak up and try and influence them if you can, at the same time, you love enough to realize that you can, your love can hold both. You can love them and want the best for them, but you can also love them enough and hold two truths that it's hard to explain right now in a nutshell, but a, a true love is a truth, is a, is a love or MS that can hold two opposites, that you can hold opposites at one time, that it doesn't blind and consume everything and say, I love you, so it needs to be this way. I can love you so much, and even though you might not be doing something that I see as the best for you, and it might not be the best for you, I can love you and hold that space for you to maybe there's another good opinion or maybe it's not right but i can hate that part but i can love you nonetheless and give you that space nonetheless or i look at a person who's not involving himself with torah and not destroy that person but say there's many ways to serve hashem there can be someone who doesn't learn torah but he still has a different relationship with hashem and that truth can hold that deepest deepest love can hold space even for something that isn't perfect and whole and complete. It can hold space for a different kind of love or a different opinion or agree to disagree or look at someone else and say, it might not be my opinion, but there's more than one way of looking at it. And that's true love and true respect. But the beauty, we really do learn at this end of the day, we do have to learn from the students of Rabbi Akiva. If anyone wants to add or comment or ask questions, feel free. We learned something really valuable from the students of Rabbi Akiva, which is on the side of Gvura, um, that even though at the end of the day, they couldn't respect one another or tolerate another opinion and they, their love was too much chesed, nonetheless, um, what, we shouldn't um, ever look at a situation where someone is doing the wrong thing or we see someone hurting someone else or someone causing harm to another person or somebody who is really doing the wrong thing and just walk away or roll our eyes or just say to ourselves, Ugh, I never want to see this person again. Because the easy thing is to walk away from the person and not get involved and not speak up and not say something and not prevent them from hurting another person. And that's the easy way out. And Rabbi Kiva students didn't take the easy way out. So we do learn from them to speak up and say something, even though it might make us really uncomfortable, put us in the line of attack or put us in an uncomfortable situation that we get over that and out of love, speak up and say something to another person when appropriate and when it might be accepted. Not in a case where, you know, you're trying to force your opinion on someone else, but rather whenever you can help another person, even if it might be uncomfortable to get involved, if, if appropriate, and if you can help another person, if someone is being bullied, um, and especially if it might be causing harm to another person. So that's the lesson that we learned from them. So there is so much. We see that every moment we have to use our right arm and our left arm to balance the two of them in order for our love and our... Um, restraint to be to be healthy in any way it has to be a balance of the two and that's what tiferet is which is called the mitzvah emet which is truth because it is the ultimate truth that can hold two opposites tiferet can hold both chesed and givur and that's what truth really is um and that's the reason it's called beauty i think we discussed this is that beauty is a blend of it's one of there's eight different names in the torah for beauty but this specific type of beauty is a blend of 
different textures. So Tiferet blends Chesed and Gvur and creates something beautiful. When you have like a textured garment that combines different colors and different textures, that's beauty. When everything is the same or one faceted or one color, that's not as there's beauty in dimension and in blending two opposites. Any questions on on T Ferret? Thank you. Yeah. Can I just ask in general, what's the difference between a Sephira and a Mida? Who's talking? Jordan. Oh, I couldn't see your mouth moving. It was delayed. Specifically, the emotion. Okay, so spheros, there's 10 spheros. And when we talk about the spheros, they are as they are in um, the higher worlds, as in Hashem's expression. So we have spheros inside of us. We have um, artists who select, which is mochin, and emotions, which is midos. So when we're refining our midos, we're refining set on, during the spheros omer, we're working on the um, traits of the 10 kochos and nefesh. So out of the 10, seven are called midos and three are called intellect. So it's like, it's uh, midos is the, the seven emotions. But even though we call them seven emotions, they're further divided. You might hear this term, chabad, we all heard all the time. Those are the three intellectual faculties, which aren't midos, because amida is an emotion and intellect is not an emotion. Um, and then, then we have separately, you'll hear people, you may have heard the term Chagat or Chagas, which is the acronym or Rosh Tevos for Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Chag. So those are really the three emotions, um, emotive midos of the seven. The other four are sub-emotions or expressive emotions, and we'll get to the difference between them now. That's what we're up to. So your okay. question kind of ties into the flow. Um, so we covered Chagat. So there's like a term for sometimes Hasidim call themselves. We're not Chabad Hasidim. They say we're Chabad Hasidim and we're Chagas Hasidim. Chagas Hasidim is other Hasidim who practice Hasidus of emotion because Chagas really means emotion, love, fear, um, which or kindness, um, might, and Tiferet, which is harmony or beauty or mercy or compassion, a blend of the two, like the middle axis. So Chagas Hasidim practice the, the ideals of Hasidus, everything that we're striving for, love for Hashem, fear for Hashem, passion in our Vodas Hashem, Muna, faith and all that. But they kind of um, don't delve as much in, into the Kabbalistic, what we're doing right now. They wouldn't, Chagas Hasidim tech normally or generally would not be learning the intellectual, the Chabad parts of the, in, the meditating, the holistic terminology and understanding the spheros in order that, and we learn it in order that we can kind of not rely on going to the Rebbeim, um, to the Chabat, to the Rebbeim that they go to, to constantly re-inspire themselves. We can be home and open a Tanya or open a Sefer Chassidus and achieve that inspiration, that Chagas, on our own by reflecting on the Chabad. That's the Chabad and Chagas Chassid. Um, that's what we call our, that's how Chabad, um, the students of the Magid, differentiate themselves other by, from other Hasidim, he started a new path, the altar, we started a new path of Hasidus by teaching the intellect in a very understandable way through examples and mishalim that we're using now, 
and it was some of the other, his fellow students um, and other Hasidic Rebbeim were opposed to this. They said, why are you revealing these secrets? We're supposed to just give over the emotion, love for Hashem. We're not, not supposed to be teaching these deep, great ideas to simple people. And that's where the division of Hasidim started. And that's why there was, you know, some like arguments between Satmer and Chabad Hasidim. Um, even today, there's Satmer, there's a, Williams was teaching Tanya day too, but like it was really secret and no one wanted to know. Um, her husband was learning in secret. If her family found out, they would like, you know, cut them off. So it was like a big deal that they're learning these like intellectual secrets. So we learned Chabad, three intellectual faculties. We learned Chagat. Just keep in mind that we're learning the spirit as they are in the human, in the animalistic or human side. We haven't in chapter um, it expresses how it is in the godly soul. So how they, they're expressed very differently. In the godly soul, chesed is all good. It's all love for Hashem, love for every person. Like Avram's expression of chesed was all good. So we're not, we're just discussing as these um, kochos, these soul powers are in their neutral state, not necessarily for Hashem or not for Hashem, just their neutral tendencies are the personality, the um, with personality types. So I'm kind of using a personality type model to discuss the 10 personality types of the soul. Um, and then we'll later on, if we have at the, in another class, discuss as they are, at how these souls, um, these 10 personality types express themselves in their godly soul and in the animal soul we're kind of covering now. last week, I think that Yaakov, because he was a harmonious blend of Chesed and Gevura, which was, he was Tiferet, therefore his offspring, his 12 children were all righteous, were all Tzadikim, um, because he didn't have too much of Chesed, which led to Yishmael, who loved too much that he consumed women or, and anything he wanted, and he didn't have too much Gevura, like maybe Yitzchak had leaned so much to Gevura, that he himself had but in offspring, it led to too much kavura for the negative, which was represented by Asav, which was hunting and killing and using his mind for the negative. He was a perfect blend to all of his children remain righteous. Okay, so now we'll move on to the next category. I wish I had the diagram, but in the diagram we have three chachma bina da'at in the neck, chesed, kavura, tiferet in the heart. Um, because the heart is constantly taking, um, I guess, taking from the, taking the blood and passing it on. And then we go on to the next category, which is Netzach Hod Yisod, and sometimes with Malchus. So the Roshet Tevot, or the, the term is, um, acronym is Nehi or Nehim. And this is a common term. You'll see it in Tanya and throughout Chassidus. You'll see Nehi or Nehim, which is an acronym for Nun, Netzach, Hod, Hey, Hod, Yod, Yisod, Mem, Malchus. Sometimes we refer just to Netzach, Hod, and Yisod alone. And Malchus sometimes is just in its own, doing its own thing. Malchus is many, many books onto itself. Um, so much of Rashab's Chassidus is just about Malchus. I think there was like a year where he had a long Hemshech uh, discourse that continued just discussing the spirit of Malchus. So Malchus is huge, but we're going to discuss, so how are these different than the three emotions of Chesed, Gvor, and Tifa? 
express our emotions as they are expressed inside of yourself for yourself. You love, your feelings are in you, you know, not for you, for another person, but they're not outwardly expressed yet. And they are feelings about how you feel about another person or how you're going to act upon it. Now, the nets of sewed are how are we going to take those feelings of love or um, gavura, feeling of or self-restraint, and how are we going to translate that into action? How are we going to of the action that we're going to do. So if Mahalos is action, it's how are we going to take this and mitigate it and decide what's the most appropriate way to act upon it? Because my love sometimes for my baby might be so overwhelming that I want in my heart, my love is like I, enormous. I want to just squish him up and eat him. But my next step is, well, I'm not going to do that because that's not what, that's not going to be good for him. So I'll use my Netza Chod Yisod to kind of de- strategically channel that love into a way that's fitting for the recipient. Um, the mashal that the like, Kabbalah gives is a father who has information, starts from Chachma, he has an idea, he understands it, um, then he internalizes it. And now out of love for his son, he wants to teach it for his son. So from his love for his son or from his fear, fear is within Gevura of his son not knowing, not knowing the right path, or not knowing anything or not, you know, not getting the right education, he will then ch- say, well, now I want to teach my information to my son. Well, how do I give that to him? If I just give it to him the way that I know it, I want to give him everything. It'll overwhelm him. He'll come out with nothing. So he'll use his netzach to break it down, to strategically plan how to move it forward. There's so many different examples of how that's not the only function of netzach at all. It might be, I have a passion. I have an idea in my head of a new, uh, new invention or a new business model. And then I break it down the details and now I've become personally passionate about it with my da'as. And now I am excited about it in my love, in my, in my chesed midah, I'm excited about it. But now how am I going to, what am I going to do next? Is this just going to stay an exciting feeling? So netzach is a sub-derivative. It's directly on your chart. I'm going to show you a mini chart. On your chart, netzach is right under chesed on the right axis of the sphere chart. Netzach is a like channel, like a, the next step of chesed. So it's, am I going to persevere and push forward towards my goal? That's the feelings of Netzach. It's um, perseverance. It's getting to the finish line. It's what's pushing. I have an idea that I want to run a marathon. Then I work out the details. Now I'm excited about it. Netzach is the drive and the push to execute my desire or my feeling, whatever I'm excited about. Um, but we don't only use Netzach, we use a blend of Netzach, Chod, and Yisod, which is like a triangle, which is, it's like we have all this, we, it really, in Kabbalah, it's called a triangle. So we have the first triangle of Chachma Bina Da'at, literally, in our body, it's a triangle, right brain, left brain, neck. Then we have the triangle of our right shoulder, left shoulder, heart. And now we have a triangle on our body of the right kidney, left kidney, or right leg and left leg, both, and then the reproductive organ in the middle. So we have another triangle of action. So this is the action emotions, um, the action-oriented um, emotions. It's the, I'm looking for the right word. So in the body, it's really interesting that just like the thighs, 
and your left your netzach like your thighs now transport and take all of your chesed the upper body everything we've felt until now to its destination it's how we actualize this to a final destination to make it actual and not just stay you know an emotion that i feel forever or if i have something loving i want to say how am i going to say it what words am i going to say to express my love there's an idea somebody that i now I'm feeling love for him. And now how am I going to express that? Or there's somebody that made me really mad and did something wrong. My Gavura is feeling anger and I'm feeling, what's the word? I'm forgetting English, but I'm feeling indignified and that's not okay. So how am I going to now translate that into an action? That's where that's so come together. Thinking in our mind, what's the next course of action? Kind of, you'll see they're taking it to the next level to the outward they're focused. So I guess they're outward focused emotions. Um, I love my anger, my hatred, my fear, my shame. Um, and now how am I going to express it? I'm, I'm afraid. What am I going to do? I'm away. Hold a consult one another. Literally in Kabbalah, it says that they're two thighs that consult one another. They're dependent on one another. Your right leg can't walk without your left leg. They're more interdependent even than chesed and gevura and then chesed and bina because you really can't walk without both legs and you really can't make a decision moving forward without netzach and hod consulting with one another. They're the hardest spheros to understand. There's the least said about netzach, hod, and yisod. Yisod is spoken about in different contexts a lot, but netzach and hod, you'll find it's a lot more research to really um, uncover it. There's not, they're not spoken about, I guess, as much because um, they're like sub-derivatives of chesed and gevura. Okay, in the, we, we said that the word Kabbalah means makbil also. It also means, it means to receive, but it also means parallels. So we, we keep drawing parallels between our body and our organs, the names of Hashem, the six emotions, um, are found in the Vav of the Shem's name, Yod, Hei, Vav, and Hei. So the six emotions are Chagas and Nehi, the two triangles. And Malchus is in the last Hei of a Shem's name. Now in the Tzadikim, we've been saying that the seven emotions in Midos, like Jordan said, um, are represented or paralleled by seven Tzadikim. So Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, we covered. Netzach and Hod are compared to um, Moshe and Aaron is Yosef, Yosef Atzadik. All these parallels just help us uncover more and more layers as to the essence of what these spheros or midos are. And we're not going to know anything about the spheros. We want to know Hashem. We want to ultimately get Hashem because we can't connect Hashem unless we get Him. We can't get Him, but we could get our, could get the spheros as they are in this our soul powers. And when we get them, we can get an inkling of what Hashem is and how he expresses himself to us, I guess. Um, not as he is as his essence yet. The essence of um, is real essence. We grasp only through doing mitzvot and through learning Hashem's expressions and his modes or personality, if you can even say that, are only understood so important to our mission in life to accomplish anything we need to know 
what we're strongest, how we can utilize I'm back. Um, so it's also, it's beneficial for us, but it's also helping us understand as much as we can know about Hashem, which is a mitzvah in the Torah, to know Hashem. So we're also just getting a closer, deeper look at what Hashem's spheros are made of by drawing those parallels. So let's move on to the next triangle. The two thighs. So the word netzach is the next one. It's on the right axis. It's a derivative of chesed. So just like chesed wants to love and might be all consuming with its love and its or its desire to give or love what it wants or have what it wants and get to its goal, even though it might give someone candy, even though it might not be good for them. Let a kid stay up until when they want to. So netzach has this also this outward drive to achieve its goal. So we have this feeling of love or something I want to do or something I want to accomplish, a person I want to express my love to. Netzach is, um, in Hebrew, minatzach, to win, to conquer and overcome. So it's conquering any obstacles to get to my goal. I want to be with that person. I will do whatever it takes to be with that person. That's the drive of Netzach. I want to be, I want to make this business happen. I will do whatever it takes. That's netzach. It's overcoming. It's an outward expression. That's one way of getting to our goal or imparting my information to another person or expressing love or acquiring something I want, doing whatever it takes and minatzach, overcoming any obstacle that gets in my way. In service of Hashem, it's doing whatever it takes to do what, to do, keep them to our mitzvot and be close to Hashem. That's netzach. So someone who finds themselves leaning to the right axis of the spheros, who's very unrestrained and unlimited, doesn't have, they might find that they're also someone who is in a positive way determined and keeps not letting anything get in their way and just keeps going and going to their goals. They're going to be the ones who run the marathons, who want to win, who will do whatever it takes to get to where they want to get to and to express either the fear or the love or the whatever emotion it is that they want to express or an idea, um, get to the finish line no matter what it takes. That is the epitome of what Netzach is. Um, Or some other things I want to um, It's a term that, a pasuk that, it's a verse that Shmuel the prophet said before killing um, uh, evil King Agag, um, the king of Amalek. Netzach meaning not just victory, but also lanetzach. I love lanetzach. I love forever. I'm good. Meaning until the very end, even until death do us part. I'm not afraid to, even to love Hashem or to get to my goal, even at the fear, even at the fear of death. So it's overcoming the fear of death, which makes it eternal and forever. So netzach means victory and eternity. Also, we have the word netzach every, when we start a chapter of Tehillim and we say lamin to the enduring one 
or to the victorious one, which really kind of go hand in hand. It's going till the end, no matter what gets in the way, not even death. It's forever and ever, no end. But we speak about Hashem as Netzach Yisrael, as the enduring one, because we have limitations as human beings. Enduring forever being. So, though also in our service of Hashem, our willingness to sacrifice our lives to have Mesirut Nefesh stems from Netzach, from our, from our faculty of Netzach in our soul. That's it for Netzach. Any questions? So it's a great trait to have. So if someone doesn't find themselves, if someone does find themselves having Netzach, it's so amazing to use the week of the Spheros to learn about the ways that you can perfect your Netzach or you can better your Netzach. You can use your Netzach for so many great things. Knowing that you have this power of being motivated, of getting what you want at all costs can be a tremendous asset. So identifying yourself maybe as a Netzach personality be incredible to use that drive and realize that you have this ability and you have this power and then channel it with all the other zeros to make it your best friend and if you're lacking in that it's amazing to be able to try and incorporate that stuff and bring in more net stuff into your other faculty so that they endure so that they get to the finish line so they don't start things maybe and not finish them or have an idea and be too afraid to express it all the way so there's so much work to be done with net stuff now hold is really it seems so similar to Netzach. I used to think that Hod and Netzach and Hod were just different names for the same idea. But when you get into the depth of it, you realize it's actually coming from the opposite place. Hod, anyone know what the word Hod means? Hoda'a, Yehudi, Yehuda, Mode'ani, all those words come from Hod. Hod means knowledge. Mo'ani is, um, is another um, term of the word hod. Yehuda, Yehudim, we're called Yehudim from, from the term hod. So hod means acknowledgement. It also means splendor and um, regality and royalty. And it's interesting because some, a few of the spheros are connected to kingship. Which ones? You guys help me out here. Keter. The spheros. Keter. Code and one more sphere, which you sewed. Come on, you want to have all not specifically very close huh? to you, so though. Mahud is the last of the spheros, which is kingship. So even in like the flow of the sphere chart, you see a lot of a relationship between hold, which means acknowledgement, but also royalty and the sphere of, and it draws straight from the sphere of Keter. And it's very much connected to action, which is Malchut. So you'll just see that there's this like kingship idea. Um, and we'll maybe we'll on it. So hold is not, is the, it's, because it stems from Gvura on the left axis of the chart. So code is opposite Netzach. It's on your left thigh, your left kidney, your left leg, and it's right under Gvura, which is your left arm. So hold is taking an idea 
um, or a feeling. And instead of translating it into dominion, I'm going to get to my goal no matter what. It's committing to it. It's acknowledging what your goal is every moment, all the time, which is where the code comes in acknowledgement and committing to it. It's, it's deep personal commitment to something. So I just, I always felt like commitment and perseverance or being um, goal oriented or winning oriented was so similar. Either I'm committed to doing it, or I'm committed, but it really comes from the opposite place. It comes from self-submission. I'm submitting my, I'm putting my, whatever I want aside and I'm submitting myself which is what Hode is, when you say Moda'ani, I acknowledge it's self-submission, kind of putting yourself in, and restricting yourself and saying, I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to the higher cause. So it's much less of self-involved, where as Chesed and Netzach have a lot more self-expression and what I want to reach, Hode is deep personal commitment to the person or to a cause. So a Hode personality is very loyal to their family, to their friends, and to anything that they commit to do they're not going to back out of a commitment because they committed. And that comes from a gvura, which is a self-restraint place, which is putting myself aside and not pushing myself forward because of the recipient's needs or because of the outcome's needs. So proper function really needs us to blend the two. It's to be focused and get to our goals and not let things stop us. But if we just do that, in an unhealthy expression, not in a holy way, Netzach can just bulldoze over anyone and be harmful to anyone in its path. It's someone who doesn't care who gets hurt along the way, but wants to make it to the top and win the race at the expense of anyone who's going to step on along the way, which is not a healthy, in its healthiest expression, it includes consideration of others, putting yourself aside when needed and willing, being willing to stop when, when, when necessary, when it might hurt another person and consider within it all the other spheros included within it, have empathy, which is, and care and compassion from Tiferet and have hode, which is commitment or your acknowledgement or putting yourself aside or bowing and acknowledging another person and another opinion along the way. So you really need both in order to properly achieve your goal. You're just going to bulldoze also to achieve the person that you want, just push everything aside and say, I want to, I want this person to be my friend or in a relationship with, you're not going to get your goal if you just bulldoze to your goal because you need to stop and acknowledge and consider the other person where they're at, what the situation is. So there's the, where the hode and your sode are dependent on one another completely like two legs, can't want one. So the same way that kidneys, um, like, I don't really, I'm not a doctor, but I believe the, from the, and some of the separating, that's what the function of Nahim is, of Nahi. It's to take the emotions and kind of like dissect it and tear it apart and choose what we're gonna fill and what we're not gonna filter out. So it's like the filter, the waste from the positive, what is a good idea to go forward with and what not to, what's not a good idea to go forward with. It's like how we're gonna move forward in this and outwardly express this you know, or this to drive or concept. We have gratitude and thanksgiving with from Hoda as well. So someone who's going to be very thankful, very acknowledging of another, of others, of not just someone who maybe not even have the space to like recognize who's, you know, the things other people are doing. But that's where acknowledgement and being modem, being saying toda, which means thank you, come in hand in hand. Someone who's acknowledging will also 
be more thankful and more appreciative. All right, I think that covers home. So if someone were to have a netzach relationship, would be a total, when you totally, when someone totally dominates another person in the relationship, that's a netzach relationship. When they wear the pants and they call the shots in the relationship and someone who is completely submissive in the relationship and is like the, a hold relationship. So one or the other is not healthy. Being completely submissive to, um, to another person in a relationship is very unhealthy. That's, code, that's the receiving side of codependence. That's being the codependent. And that's not having a, a self in the relationship and being totally dominating in the relationship and making all the decisions and dominating other person's decisions is also unhealthy. And that's netza, dominion and servience, which is hold. But Together, it's a bit when you can blend the two together and have, which is really what you sowed is a blend of the two, or you can bring both together. That's when you have a healthy relationship. When you have the ability to have netzach, which is the times to be, there's times to be dominant and speak up, and there's times to let go. If you never let go, but never just let things slide and submit, then and just say, okay, I'm not going to fight right now, or you can have this one, then. Either way is not healthy and not proper and, and it's not going to get anywhere and it's not going to last. So we can evaluate our net stuff and our hold. Am I having too much dominion? Am I having too much submission? Some submission, too much submission is not necessarily healthy if it's not coming from a good place, if it's not a holy submission. Um, and too much and too much dominance is not either good. Just into your, just stepping over another person and bulldozing over them. So that's how I think in the week of spirit Omer, we're, that's where we're examining our hold. Um, in, in our submission, we, can we, can we be more submissive in our relationships? Should we be, should we be less submissive in relationships? Should we speak up more and express ourselves more? Or maybe we need to put ourselves aside a little bit more and just be committed to the relationship and not always speak up and bulldoze over another person. So it's examining our hope. Any questions before we move on to Yasod? All right, Yisod. I think Yisod for me when I started teaching Spheros many years ago, I mean, I'm not that old, but maybe 10 years ago, was the hardest for me to really identify. Still, I'm not going to say that I get them, but I feel like I could somewhat get an idea of the personality of the Spheros. Yisod, very hard for, it's, there's also, there's not so many details about Yisod, so I'll do my best to give over what I can about Yisod. It's, it's obscure. Yisod is, and you'll see why. Okay, so we're in this triangle of Nahi. The Yod of Nahi is Yisod. It's the last of the six emotions in the Vav of Hashem's name before we get to Malchus, which is action, outward action. So all, all this, the ideas and the feelings and then how we're going to channel them outwards is all to actualize it. We don't want to just have thoughts. We want to actualize our thoughts and our ideas and our feelings. So Malchus is the actualization of it. The Sod is the last step before we actualize it. So Mashal given by Kabbalah is this. It's that you might have this thought the going back to the Mashal, the fall idea he's broke and the feeling that he's communicated. He decided through Nedach and Yehud exactly how much to give, how much not to give, right? How much to dominate and withhold so he doesn't just overwhelm his child with so much information. 
But now comes the moment of communication. All that can be in place, but at the moment of communication, it will be the results will be and the outcome of the the actualization is very much dependent on how much he's connecting and desiring in the moment of, of communication. I might prepare an amazing class to give over with everything put together, perfectly suited to the recipient, right? Because that's what Netzach and Hod do. They decide how to tailor the love or the, or the admonishment or whatever communication it is or the idea to the recipient, right? If I want to pitch a new concept or a new invention, I'm going to tailor it through my Netzach and Hod to the people, what do they like? How do I tailor it to the recipient? So I've already prepared, let's say, an amazing class to give over, tailor-made to the recipients, but at the moment of delivering the talk, I'm in a bad mood, I haven't slept, and I haven't eaten. The delivery, even though it's everything is in place, the delivery won't go well, you won't connect to it. And that is what Lagba Omer is actually about. The bow and arrow um, that we use in Lagba Omer is a custom, for many years. One of the reasons given is that the children used to, weren't allowed to learn Torah, so they would hide and learn Torah. And when the sold Roman soldiers would come, they would put away their Torah books and they would take it a bow and arrow and pretend that they were just playing bow and arrow. That's one reason for the custom. A deeper reason for the custom is because in Lag Omer is when this, the deepest secrets of Torah emerged for the first time to the outside world from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai when he passed away. He revealed the Zohar. This or most um, um, the most secrets he's ever revealed on his deathbed, and we first got a glimpse of Kabbalah of the Pnimiyot Torah, which is what we're learning now, and it's represented by a bow and arrow. A bow and arrow is a weapon that it want the further you want to get your arrow, the further backwards and into towards your heart you have to pull it inwards. The further you want to affect, and when you want to love, which is what. Lagba Omer is all about in Sphere to Omer. It's learning how to love properly, which is kind of what all the spheres are about, learning how to love Hashem and how to love another person. And all of Sphere to Omer, when you want to affect another person and communicate what you want to communicate or connect, you're not going to penetrate them unless you've pulled further, just like a bow and arrow. If you haven't pulled it in first, if, it come deep, if it's not coming from deep in your heart, it won't go far at all into another person. So at the moment of communication, like the bow and arrow, if you don't pull it, far enough or far at all it won't go far forwards and it's the direction of pulling into your heart so when you want to communicate something you have to be feeling it at the time of communication you have to be connecting to it deeper inside of yourself that's really what Lagba Omer is all about it's about in order to outwardly connect to Hashem we really have to get to the deepest part go backwards and inwards into the uncovering the deeper layers of the Torah um, and that's what Lagba Omer is celebrating the deeper parts of the Torah that the deeper in inwards we go into Torah the further outwards it will affect us. Like when people are struggling with keeping Torah mitzvot in a physical way, when I'm feeling like I can't do the same thing over and over again every day, the solution is not to do to go further outwards and do more. Sometimes, sometimes that's what's needed, but many times the solution is to go further inwards and feel it in a deeper way. And then your outward expression will be the most effective. You'll go furthest out. Um, so if I prepare a class that's perfectly suited and everything is in place from all the sphere but at the moment of communication i'm not feeling it i'm not there i'm tired i'm hungry and i'm a, i'm having you know a fight with somebody so that it won't be imparted and it won't the it won't be received well by the recipient and the outcome won't be what i want it to be or as good as it could be because the connection at that moment isn't isn't there yesod is that connection it's taking everything and forming that connection um and that bonding and that foundation in the moment of delivery as you deliver it to be able to feel it inside of yourself and internalize it in order to communicate it.
that's kind of what yesoda is. Now in the body parts, it's very fitting that it's connected to the bris, the reproductive organs. So yesod is actually, yesod and bris, those words are like very synonymous in the inner parts of the Torah. Um, yesod in parts of Kabbalah refers to the bris, which is the promise. The, a bris means a bris milah, which is the organ on the body, but it also refers to the bris, the promise that Hashem made with Abraham, um, the, when, the covenant that Hashem made with him. So that's very fitting because Someone might have all the things ready to create a child, but at the moment of creation, at the moment of conception, that's when so much of, of it's very fitting that that's the part. It's what's happening during the conception. It's so much deeper than that Yisod. It's so layered. The tzaddik that was referred to as Yisod is Yosef at tzaddik. Yosef was a tikkun rectification of his of the sexual organ. He struggled with it and was a perfection of it. So the tikkun of Yisod is per, because it's the desire. The desire, uh, the sexual organ is, a, is the organ of desire. It can either be a catalyst for tremendous, beautiful connection, or it can be um, a, something that leads to unhealthy connection and unhealthy desire, unhealthy um, expression of the desire. So disod is desire. It's how much desire that when, when I'm teaching the class, do I want to be there? So connection and desire are very synonymous. How much is the father feeling the desire to connect and teach his child at that moment is going to affect the way that it's received by the child, the way that the outcome will be. When you're giving a pitch of an invention, how much desire do you have to be there? Are you passionate about the, are you connecting to the idea? Are you passionate about it, that's going to affect how it's received as well. So, few words. Yisod is the attribute of foundation. Um, it's associated with the power to contact, connect, and communicate with the external reality. She left. So that's the summary of what Yisod is. Um, now, now, the reason it's calling, it's called, what is Yisod really means, the foundation, that the foundation of a building is what connects the building with the, in, with the surroundings, with the ground and the surroundings. So that, it doesn't move. So that it's long lasting. It's that the effects of the building don't just fall apart. So what you're doing is connecting it and deeply rooting this, that what you want to transmit in a deep way so that the foundation is strong and it's connecting to the external reality, to the surroundings around it, so that it's strong and long lasting and, and it's true and it holds and that the communication is effective. The building won't be effective if the foundation of the communication to the outward surroundings is not solid and is not in place and is not strong. When someone is disconnected from the reality, they need to strengthen their yesod and connecting and their power. So some a yesod personality might be somebody who very strongly connects to everything that and all the people that they meet so who connects to people in a deep way in a long lasting way someone who connects to the projects that they take on connects to the learning that they're learning is very invested and feeling the connection 
and con and the and it's also a power with desire. Desire is a drive that makes the communication the um, outcome happen, but it also might be a struggle for some. So your soda is a gift because that desire leads to so much productivity, which is the physical organ of reproduction leads to productivity and its desire, but desire might also lead to self-destruction if you can't curb your desire. So it's very interesting. So here's what Hasidus says about Yisod. There is so much, Hasidus teaches that another reason why Yisod is manifested by the procreative organ is because the this organ it takes infinite power. It, it's a small physical organ that manifests power, the power of infinity in it. So it's, it's referred to as the small that holds the large, the infinite. And that's why it's also synonymous with the tzaddik. It says tzaddik yisod olam. A tzaddik is the foundation of the world because that's what it's Sadik does. It takes all uh, the Sadik refers to the Sadik of the generation, the Moshe Rabbeinu generation, the body of the Sadik in every generation, which sustains the world. We learned in Tanya that it takes a Sadik in every generation to sustain the entire world. Why? Because the Sadik of the generation holds within it and channels through his small physical body, this procreation to create a new a new person the tzaddik channels within him hashem's infinity and the manifest hashem's light goes through the tzaddik hashem's moshe's um moshe was the channel that all of hashem's blessing for the jews and salvation for the jews came through such a small person so it's very similar to this what Yisro does and what the power of Yisro is it's channeling all the above spheros and all of your desires and ideas and connecting it and channeling it through in that moment so it's taking infinity and bringing it outwards into a small expression that holds within it infinity. Um, and that's really what uh, Tzaddik is, that he expresses all of Hashem's light to that generation and it becomes manifest through him, giving it over. Through, and like the procreation of a Tzaddik, this model continues that he doesn't, he procreates in a spiritual way as well. He continuously births new ideas into the world, new concepts, new understandings of Torah. And these, these new, new creations and new teachings inspire the souls of the entire generation to connect to Hashem and Torah. So that's it for today. Any questions on any of those? So we covered another triangle today. And all we have left to do is malchus, which can take forever. And then what I want to do is, in the upcoming classes, um, I learn how to bring that into ourselves and how to identify where our strengths are, take all the things that we learned and we'll have like a very practical chart. We'll have a handout and how to associate that with ourselves and really identify our strongest and weakest spheros, how we can utilize our strengths and how we can bring in more of what we're, what we're, um, what we can use to, um, bolster our strengths. Any questions? I'm just going to end the recording here.